Thanks for tuning into the ES First podcast. We'd love to connect with you on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. So take a minute to hop on over and give us a like or a follow. And of course, if you're ever in Excelsior Springs, stop on by. We can't wait to welcome you home. So hi, my name's TM from Utah originally and was in LA for four years, met my husband there. And yeah, I just love being here. I love this house as I was praying for this house when we found out that we are going to be coming here and speaking. So cool that you guys are a part of a church where the Holy Spirit is the center. Because not all churches are like that. So don't take it for granted. And Brandon, thank you so much for bringing us here and for just the way you pastor your people. Me and Taylor were talking last night. It was so cool to watch people interact with God and then talk with each other about it. And it was almost like you had to make them be quiet, which is a good sign of a healthy church. And yeah, so I'm so grateful to be here, so excited to be here, and I have a word for you. Hopefully it's good, but let's pray first. <laughs> Jesus, I just love you so much. God, I thank you that your presence is here. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are here. You are the guest of honor. Holy Spirit, help us draw close to you. Would you just anoint my lips, like remove myself from the equation today, God, and would you come have your way? Father, would you help me speak as a daughter? Would you show us, God, that you've prepared a table for us? Jesus, that you are the source, that you are enough, and that you want us at that table. Would you speak to our hearts tonight, Jesus? We love you. We surrender to you, Holy Spirit, and we bless you in your name. Amen. Um, So I'm going to start in Psalm 23, if you guys don't mind pulling that up. I love this psalm. I feel like the last few months, like probably eight or nine months, God has had me in this psalm and has gone line by line teaching me that he's my shepherd, dealing with discontentment in my own heart. But I feel like at the end of this psalm is where I want to land today, and it's an invitation. So we're going to read this. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. I love that he says he makes me lie down in green pastures because sometimes, just like Brandon was saying, sitting in that chair requires no muscles, but standing requires muscles, but sometimes it's easier in our spiritual life to stand and try and put in an effort where Jesus is like, no, I just need you to sit. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. Some translations say he restores my soul, and that's what we talked about yesterday when Taylor spoke, healing of the soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. As I was praying for you guys, as I was praying for this night, and what I was supposed to share, I saw God kind of showing me he has a table prepared for you. And Brandon was saying we do different jobs as well, so I do grazing tables and charcuterie. If you don't know what that is, I just fold meat and cut cheese and make it look pretty on a table. And so that scripture really stands out to me. He prepares a table. I see how much work goes into the tables I prepare and how much greater does God prepare for me. And I just saw him saying, I have a table prepared for them. And I'm asking them to come sit. And they can't bring anything. 
They can't do anything to earn their spot at the table, but it's through me they come and sit. And as I was praying into that, I was like, God, what is at that table? What does that feast look like? And I was reminded of a scripture that we'll go into in a second where Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he says, I'm the bread of life. And Jesus is the bread of life that fills the hunger that nothing else will satisfy. And as we sit at that table, as we sit in faith at that table, not bringing anything to the table besides ourselves, letting go of our own understanding, letting go of anything else we'd find comfort in, as we sit at the table with Jesus, we are satisfied. And so that's what I want to talk about today. And when Brandon was talking to us about be healed is your guys' theme, I was like, God, how does this all tie in? How does this all tie into the table and feasting and the bread of life? And God kind of just started to show me sometimes we just sing about God's goodness. But if we're being honest, how many of us go through things in life where we're like, yeah, God is good. God is good. And then something happens and it's like, God is good? Question mark. Like, I know I'm supposed to say that because I'm a Christian, but like, I just don't understand how he's good in this situation. And when we go through situations like that, there's disappointments that happen in our heart. There's times where we feel like God lets us down. And maybe five years down the road, we look back and we're like, oh, like he worked it out. But in the moment, we have disappointments, we have frustrations, we have feelings of being let down by God. And when we don't deal with those, when we don't deal with offenses, when we try and have our own understanding There's brokenness in our connection with God. And last night we talked about we were created for intimacy. We were created for connection. We're wanted for connection. But when I come and I have these disappointments and frustrations and letdowns and offenses towards the Lord and I don't deal with them, I can't connect how I'm supposed to. I lack trust. I don't take my seat and my role as a daughter. I don't trust my father. And I have a really hard time connecting with God, trusting his nature, trusting his word. And so I want to talk about finding some healing in that. And I want to go to John chapter 6. We'll start in verse 43. And up to this, Jesus had just did the miracle of feeding the 5,000 men. So there's probably close to 10,000 people with women and children. So he and his disciples, he let them partake in that miracle and so his ministry had started growing he was doing miracles people knew who Jesus was at this point and he had a group of people beyond the 12 that said I want to give my life to this guy to following him to learning from him to being under his leadership so he's talking to this group of people and he says stop grumbling among yourselves Jesus answered no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws them And I will raise them up that last day. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the Father and learned from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. Very truly I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. 
I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. And I think it's interesting that Jesus compares himself to the one very thing that we need for survival is food. And he's comparing himself to something that's necessary for survival. And as I was thinking about that and and meditating on that, I was thinking about, so my grandpa passed last year in uh, January 2020. And he had Alzheimer's really, really bad. He had terrible health for a long time. And I remember he would go through these spurts where he would just stop eating in his home And the nurses would tell my family, like, oh, like, he stopped eating. That's a sign of death. And if any of you have had family members in that situation, if they stop eating, that is a sign of death. And that's what happens to our spirit when we stop eating the bread of life. So if my spirit is dying, I have stopped eating. I can't thrive. I can't even survive if I'm not eating the bread of life. And so Jesus compares himself to bread. And I was thinking about that even more. And I was like, how many of us, maybe it's just me and Taylor, but how many of us plan our days around food? We plan our vacations around food. We plan our our meetings around food. I heard someone say once, and I was like, that's actually so true. A meeting without food is an email. Okay? We plan our lives, our vacations, our trips around food. All of you are here on a Monday night in the rain. I think you would say, like, yes, I want Jesus to be the center of my life. But how do we walk that out practically? Do we truly, truly, truly make Jesus the center of our life? The bread of life. Is that what we revolve our life around? And I was thinking about food and my husband. He will tell you guys this story, too, but... Before Taylor and I got married, Taylor did not eat vegetables. Now he does, but nutritionists and dietitians will tell you if you eat a diverse enough diet with enough fruits and vegetables, you actually don't need like a multivitamin. Now we eat vitamins, and I make Taylor take his vitamins as well, but food gives us nutrients we need to be healthy. So Jesus is comparing himself to something we need to survive and to thrive. My body will die without food and nutrients. My spirit will die without the bread of life. So that's my first point, is Jesus is the bread of life. I want to keep reading a little bit more. In verse 52, Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, And I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is what the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Let me keep going a little. Verse 60. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, 
This is a hard teaching. Who can understand it? Who can accept it? So Jesus, like I said, it's a group of disciples. It's a group of people who chose to say, I want to follow Jesus. I want to learn from him. I want to mold my life around his life. And Jesus is telling them this truth. And they say, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Going back to the table picture. To sit at the table that Jesus has prepared for you to eat from the bread of life. Can I tell you, sometimes you have to let go of your own understanding. I'm not going to always understand. My husband talks about this all the time, and he says it's an upside-down kingdom. So the more I eat, the more hungry I get. The more I drink, the more thirsty I get. But can I tell you, if we're upside-down, my head is ab- or my heart is above my head. And in Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, you guys probably know this scripture. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Sometimes we have to surrender our understanding to take a seat at the table to be with the one who can provide, to be with the one who can sustain, to be with the one who can affirm and meet my every need that satisfies my soul. And Brandon was sharing with you guys a little bit of my story. When I first moved to L.A., I was like a brand new baby Christian, like did not know how to hear God's voice, but I felt something like God was leading me to L.A. I applied for a dance program. I was already supposed to be living in Los Angeles. and But I just, like, applied out of the blue. And I was like, all right, God, if this is you, like, I guess it's you. So um, I was honestly underqualified, was not living in L.A. I applied. And a month had gone past. And honestly, I forgot about it. And I was like, I probably just didn't get accepted, whatever, moved on. Well, I get a phone call at, like, 1030 at night. And I hadn't told anyone that I applied because I was like, I am not going to get accepted. No, that's, there's no way. So I hadn't even told my parents that I was like considering moving to LA. So I get a phone call one night. My friend's like, Tia, congratulations. And I was like, what are you talking about? And anyways, I find out that I got accepted. And I was like, I guess I'm moving to Los Angeles. I don't know what's going on. So I ended up telling my parents and just telling them this is, kind of what I think I'm going to do. I talked to my pastor. I was like, does this sound like something the Lord would ask me to do? And what I love about my pastor back home is he never told me an answer. He was like, you need to pray about it. You need to hear God's voice. I can't tell you. I can't decide that for yourself. But he was super supportive of me and and his wife. So anyways, I moved to LA. I had nowhere to live. I had a place to stay for one month. I had a room for one month. And I was applying for work everywhere. I could not get a job. I was like, God, did I miss you? Like, I left my family. I left a really good job. I left what was comfortable. I left my home. And I get to L.A., and it was so hard. I had no people. I had started to going to Angeles Temple. But I was there, and I, I could not. Logically, it did not make sense. So anyways, I just, I, I went to the Dream Center, and, and they have a prayer chapel, and I just was praying one day, and I was like, God, did I miss you? Because if I did, like, you need to show me, because I can't do this if you're not in it. He just told me, I want you to volunteer. Stop looking for work, and I want you to volunteer. And I was like, okay, that sounds cool, but are you going to pay my rent? Like, how am I going to have groceries? 
And I cannot tell you how I had gas in my car. I cannot tell you how I had groceries. And I cannot tell you how I paid rent. But I did. But it was Jesus. But in my own understanding, logically, I should have gone home. I shouldn't have stayed in L.A. It was not a smart thing to do. But the Lord had asked something of me. And I said, all right, I'm going to try this out. Well, anyways, fast forward, I ended up getting hired on at the Dream Center. Um, I did a program at the Dream Center, and God started to show me, like, hey, I'm calling you to ministry. Like, this dance thing is cool. I want you to use it to worship me, but I'm actually calling you to ministry. And I was like, I don't know what that means. Do I need to go to Bible school? Like, you know, so anyway, I get hired on, and I end up meeting my husband, and now we're in Utah, and we're trying to figure that out, too, and All that to say, if I leaned on my own understanding, I would not be here before you guys. I would have not, maybe, but I probably would have not been called to ministry or heard the call. I might not have my husband if I leaned on my own understanding. So sometimes coming to the table looks like letting go of our own understanding, saying, God, I don't get it. God, I don't understand logically. It doesn't make sense, but I trust you. And Jesus, help me when I don't trust you. I had a moment that, if I'm being honest with you guys, I had a moment, I think it was like two weeks ago, where it was just one of those days where nothing was going right. I had to make homemade cinnamon rolls for someone, and I make that all the time, and I just could not get my yeast to rise. And I had tried seven batches, so you know what I did? I went and bought store-bought cinnamon rolls. (laughs) I'm going to confess to you guys, but... So my cinnamon rolls weren't working. The dishwasher was flooding. Like, my kitchen was just a puddle, a huge river of water. And I was like, why is this happening? And I would just had a moment where that day, me and Taylor have started thinking about having a family and our future and buying our own home. And all the things happened the cinnamon roll day. And... I was sitting there in the kitchen just crying, and I was like, I'm never going to have a house, and we're never going to be able to afford to have a kid, and I don't understand how health insurance works, and what about retirement? I text Taylor when he came home, because we try and be really cautious when he comes home from work, and I'm at home just to, like, greet each other and make that moment really special, and so he was texting me that he's coming home early, and I would just text him. I was like, I'm stressed today. I need you to know that, so... Anyways, recently I had my moment where I was like, God, this logically doesn't make sense. Logically, what the world says is I need to be here. I need to have this much saved. I need to have my own house. I need to have X, Y, and Z figured out. And I just don't. And I had to choose, God, I don't understand. God, it does not make sense. I didn't even have it in me that day to be like, God, I trust you. I had to say, God, help me trust you in this. Help me let go of my understanding because I just don't get it. To sit at the table, sometimes we have to let go of our understanding. I'm going to continue on in that scripture in verse 61. Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? I feel like he was so sarcastic when he said that. Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit of life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the very beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. 
He went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. From this time, many of his disciples had turned back and no longer followed him. Can I tell you, to sit at the table, we have to let go of offense. And I can't help but imagine this moment where Jesus is telling his disciples, does this offend you? And the reason it offended them was because of their self-righteousness. Can I tell you that the gospel offends the self-righteousness in us? And I just think of Mary and Martha, and I love the story of Mary and Martha. And I can't help but imagine Martha's in the kitchen cooking and doing, and, and Jesus had just come to her house, and she's like, oh my gosh, like, my mindset, she's probably like, oh my gosh, like, I have all these areas where I'm not put together, so if I prepare a really good meal, if I just do enough, then Jesus will stay. And then Mary's there, and she's just like, Jesus, I love you. And when Martha comes and is like, Jesus, do you see what she's doing? She's not helping me, da-da-da-da. Mary didn't have to do anything. And Jesus is like, she has chosen the one important thing. And I can't help but imagine Martha just being so offended by that. So offended by that. That Jesus would defend the one who chose to sit. And Martha was earning and doing what Mary was receiving. She was trying to earn what Mary was receiving. But the gospel offends our self-righteousness. And I think sometimes we get convicted by Jesus and we, we can take offense to that too. And we can choose to let that conviction harden our hearts or we can choose to let it mold our hearts. And I think even it's so easy as humans to get offended by other humans. And, you know, so-and-so didn't text me back or, oh, the girls are out at lunch again, but I didn't get the text to get invited, so I'm not going to go to that church anymore because... They just don't love me. And then we find ourselves turning our back on Jesus. These were disciples, people who chose to follow Jesus and said, I want to build my life after this man. I don't even understand him, but there's something different about him. The offense caused them to turn their back on Jesus. To sit at the table, we have to let go of offense. Whether it's from Jesus, from our own self-righteousness, or from other people, we have to let go of offense. To sit at the table, we have to let go of our understanding. We have to let go of our offense. And we have to let go of all other options. In verse 67, you do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. In the Passion Translation, I love this. It says, but Lord, where would we go? No one but you gives us revelation of eternal life. No one but you. No one but Jesus. Peter said, Jesus, I don't have anywhere else to go. I don't have any other option. Only you satisfy. Only you bring me what I need. 
This morning, Taylor and I went to um, Mugs Coffee, and we sat and drank coffee together. We read our Bibles a little, and he and Josh went and worked out. And I was like, you guys just go work out. And I love walking. I'll get a coffee to go and walk home and whatever. So I walked down this highway out here, and I don't think I was supposed to. It does not look where pedestrians are supposed to walk, but I was like, there's no sidewalk, and I didn't want to run into an armadillo in the grass, so I guess I'll just walk on the side of the road. So anyways, I'm walking. As I take some steps, I start noticing, like, little bottles of alcohol, um, like shots of fireball and, and beer cans, and just, you laugh, but I, eh, go walk out there and find it. <laughs> They're empty. They're empty, but I'm walking, and, and I noticed one, and I was like, whatever, and I got a little further down the road. And I noticed another, and I got a little further down the road, and I noticed another. And I was like, man, someone had a really bad night last night. Anyway, so I I get to the point where I cross over and get on the actual path where pedestrians are supposed to walk. I was on the path that was created for me, and I was walking, and the Lord used that illustration. And he's like, look, you're on the path that I created you to walk on. And look how there was no garbage. There was no cans of beer crushed. It was beautiful. And can I tell you, the path that I was made to walk on was actually harder than where I wasn't supposed to walk. Because there was like more, I was sweating, I'm not even lying. There was heels, and I was just like, this humidity is just, I'm not meant for the humidity. I see all you guys with the nice hair, and I'm like, my ponytail is so poofy because it's rain. But anyways, I was walking in a place where I was not intended to walk, where it wasn't created for me to walk. And whoever left those bottles, I can't help but imagine they were trying to fill a void. But they were in a place where they weren't created to be. And then once I got where I was created to walk, the place that was created for me, it was beautiful, but it was hard. There were hills, there were dips and valleys, but it was where I was created to be. And we're created to be at the table. Jesus said, come sit at the table. Come sit with me. That's what he wants us for. That's what he created us for, to sit. But to get to the table, I have to let go of some things. I have to let go of some options. I have to let go of going shopping to fill a void. Of turning to alcohol to fill a void of running to so-and-so, this person, being codependent on this person, running to this relationship for affirmation, and this one for affirmation. I have to let go of some options. Jesus can be my only option. Jesus is the only option for affirmation. Jesus is the only option when I need security, when I need comfort. Not my phone, not social media, not so-and-so. Only Jesus satisfies. But as I was studying feast, I was looking. There was three components to feast in the Old Testament. They had an appointed time. They revolved around the Sabbath. And they all involved an offering. And in Colossians, it tells us we don't have to worry about the religious traditions of feast anymore. But as I was thinking about sitting at that table, I see these as steps. And I see these almost as like we're checking the box to come sit at the table. 
Can I tell you the appointed time is now? The appointed time is now. Don't live your life. Don't live the next year knowing there's a seat prepared for you, that Jesus is calling you by name to come and sit with him, having another option. The time is now. He's saying, my son, my daughter, come sit. I'm waiting for you. I'm waiting for you. Just come sit now. They revolved around the Sabbath. And it's like I talked about Martha and Mary. Martha was working, trying to earn, and Mary was just sitting. And is that not a picture of the gospel? There is nothing we can do to earn our salvation. There's nothing we can do to earn our righteousness. But accept the gospel. And this feast that Jesus has for us, the bread of life, I think it revolves around the Sabbath because it revolves around the gospel. That I would come and sit and rest and there was nothing I could do. There was nothing I could bring to the table. In fact, when I saw this table, when I saw this picture, when I was praying for you guys, like I told you at the beginning, there was nothing I could do to bring to the table. It was already set. It's already prepared. So a lot of, especially us women, when we have a party or get together, it's like, oh, what can I bring? What can I bring? What can I bring? Jesus says nothing. Just you. Just yourself. And then the third part is there's an offering. And there's two parts to this. We know that Jesus was the offering, the ultimate sacrifice. And I'm so grateful for that. That what he did made a way for me for the veil to be torn so that I could walk in intimacy, so that I could sit. But I think the other part of the offering is is what we bring, or I should say what we let go of. offering or a sacrifice costs me something it costs me something it's not easy to give up if it was easy to give up I would I would question if it was a true offering an offering costs something and I just see Jesus at the table saying would you come but I need you to let go of understanding I know my daughter, it's hard. I know it doesn't make sense. But would you let go of understanding? And I see him sitting and saying, my son, would you come? But I need you to let go of all other options. I need you to let go of finding affirmation in this relationship. I need you to let go of finding comfort in this or that. I see him, my daughter, would you come and sit? But I need you to let go of the offense. I need you to let it go. 
so you can come and sit. And when we sit at the table, we take a position of sonship, of daughtership, of dependency. I even feel like he would say, hey, son, hey, daughter, I need you to come sit, but you have to let go of independence. I haven't called you to a life of of independence. I've called you to depend upon me. And at the table, we have all we need. We have healing. We have a comforter. We have a counselor. We have a friend. We have a father. We have a provider. We have the source. But we have to let go. And so tonight, I want to close with an invitation at the altar. I don't know what you have to let go of. But I want you to come and meet Jesus. And just like Mary, pour out your oil and say, Jesus, I let go. I'm done trying to be independent. I'm done running to this or that, and I let go. And I just want to feast with you. Jesus, you're enough. So would you stand with me tonight as we close? Lord, we love you. Holy Spirit, we thank you that 
you are here with us. And we bless you in Jesus' name.